Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 10th day of April 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. We will be starting on the last paragraph on page 68. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, A.N.G., 12 Traditions, Pat N, and our text readers are Kathleen W, Sarah W, Santa H, and our newcomer greeter is Anita J. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 9th day of April is 7462, 7462. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that, People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Angie to please read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, everyone. This is Angie, a compulsive overeater from Colorado. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Angie. And I will now ask Pat N. to read the Twelve Traditions, please. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Pat N., and I am a compulsive overeater from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, accepting matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Pat N. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are on page 68, the last paragraph, beginning now about sex. And I will ask Kathleen W. if she will read for us, please. Hi, this is Kathleen W. from Phoenix, Arizona, Recovered. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Okay, great. Now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way, to get way off track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry out for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man to favor for his fear 
and the other would have us all on a pe- on a straight pepper diet. We we want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we what can we do about them? With the last inventory I did, which was probably um, almost a year and a half ago, um, in this part I had to look at um, my marriage, and um, it, it's you know I've been married for 11 years, and we have a nine-year-old daughter, and it's just it's very easy for me to put my nine-year-old daughter first, and um, and be selfless, dishonest, and inconsiderate towards my husband. And um, I can think of many excuses to neglect my husband, like, um, you know, I'm too tired, I don't feel like it, that's just one more thing on my to-do list I have to do, I have to clean my kitchen, you know, and um, I had to look at how, you know, I can't just put my daughter first and everything and then just be tired and too busy and neglect my husband and I have to, you know, have balance and um, I can't be selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. And, you know, my husband has needs and I have to um, just have a balance between my husband and my daughter and everything else. And, you know, because I want to be, we want to have the good role models um, and show her what a good marriage looks like. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. Now, who would like to share on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Hi, this is Vasa. I'd like to share. Hi, Vasa. Go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. I just got on the... Who, who is sharing, sharing the meeting? Monica? This is Monica. Um, I'm sorry. I, I just came in, so I guess I have a problem, problem with silence. So thank you, Monica, for your share, and thank you, everybody, for being here this morning. And I'm Vasa Ulrich, of a compulsive reader, calling from Florida, and, you know... This is a hard subject to share about, and uh, you know. And I remember for years, I didn't feel really comfortable about the sex part, you know. And uh, I avoided, as a matter of fact, this was the hardest thing for me to do. And um, and again, like everything else, we needed to continue with the rest of the, you know, the writing, you know. And this was the hardest thing. And I rem- and embarrassing and uh, shameful, and you know, so I listed people. I didn't know how to do it, so you know, it said she. My sponsor said list the people that you had fantasy about, or you know, or you just dated. Uh, even if I didn't have sex, you know, uh, you you do it. Do the fantasy, the dating part. And I remember going all the way back into my childhood. It was like I had a crush on this boy when I was like seven years old. And then I had another crush, you know, when I was like nine or, you know. And even crush on my teachers, you know, that somebody that really, that, you know, gave me little attention, you know. 
And I, and I hear this. It's pretty normal for kids to have, but I would have had embar- I was embarrassed to share about, about it. And even if I was watching TV and if there was an actor that I, you know, that I liked, you know, I did a lot of fantasizing, you know. I didn't do a lot, a lot of dating, you know. And I met my husband. We dated for about four years, but I was not allowed. I come from the old country, so in order for him to see me, he had to get, come to my house, you know. And I had to be, I had four brothers, so they watched over me, and, you know, that was a taboo, you know. And anyways, it was just, it was so, so embarrassing to talk about it, you know. And then people that I snuck around, you know, that I, I was not allowed to date a lot, so I would sneak around. I'd go with my girlfriend, and, you know, there was a boy that I liked, and, you know, um, so, um, but it says right here, the next paragraph, you know, I'm not going to share, it says where we were selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, whom had we heard, did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, su- su- suspicion, or bitterness, and I had to look at that stuff, you know, and and I saw some of my behaviors in there, that I had hurt some people, you know, even though I didn't like them, I was, you know, I liked their attention, you know. And it, when it came to a kiss, you know, I didn't want to kiss them, you know. So I, I really looked for that love and that tension from men. And some of them I was really attracted and some I wasn't. And it, it didn't matter. Even the ones that I was attracted, I didn't have many, many opportunities. But I don't want to share too much. I just wanted to open the meeting. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Is there anyone who would like to share? It's Naomi. Ann Marie. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, everybody's awake now. Reba P. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I heard about, I heard, I heard <laughs> Sally, and I heard Naomi. Janet. Sally, Naomi. Okay. Anne Marie. Anne Marie. Okay. Reva P. Reva P. Okay. Janet. Janet. Okay. Larry. Larry. All right. Okay. Let's let's start with that. Okay. Well, I'm glad people woke up here because I was going to have to carry on here. Sally, Naomi, Anne Marie, Reva, Janice, and Larry. So Sally, you're up, and then it'll be Naomi. Thanks, Monica. Good morning, and this is for you. <laughs> um. I laugh because um, now everybody's awake. You know, I, I did find myself in great pause. Are you sure you want to share on this paragraph? This is Sally A. in South Jersey, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And um, I want to speak to this the word arbiter that we see um, on page 69. Um, it's about 10 lines down. It says, we want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. That word arbiter, it means the judge, the one who settles disputes. So this is not about settling a dispute on whether you did something wrong. And I find it interesting that the whole sex conduct comes after, right after, in fact, on the heels of the fear inventory. Because how many of us didn't want to share this part this piece of the marbles rolling around in our head. But truth be known, 
It tells us on the bottom of page 72, and always watch those bottom lines because it's no accident that the bottom line has there's a just pack the punch. The bottom line of these pages, and the bottom line of page 72 tells us, trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Yeah, binging. Almost invariably, they got drunk. So we really don't have a choice. We need to do this. And when we read now about sex, many of us need an overhauling there. But above all, we try to be sensible on this question because it's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find humans' opinions running to extremes. And this is not about your sponsor or whoever it is that you're going to do your fifth step with talking to you about, you know, what you did, whether it's right or wrong. But what it's about is, again, that fourth step in the 12 and 12 talks about our instincts. There's three instincts, the social instincts, the sex, the sex security instincts, and the sex instincts. And it tells us there in the 12 and 12 that to procreate is one of those instincts. And the other is the sex instinct is that we all have our desires. And some of them are acceptable in our own eyes. And some of them are hidden sexual desires. And like all of our instincts, they become warped. And sex run riot is one element of that warping and then the, um, the ridiculous demands. And many of us are cross-addicted. And sex can be, it has a dopamine effect, like drugs or alcohol or food. Um, so it, is an, it can be an addiction for some people. And for some people, it's, it's fear-driven. And, and there's a lot of inhibition. And so we have to take a look at this. This is why it's the third inventory. Let me just say in closing that it's a, it's a, the thing is that these are the marbles rolling around that were tripping us into the food, and that's why we've got to get the marbles. We've got to look at them. We've got to uncover them because we're only as sick as our secrets so we can finally get well. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. And Naomi, you're up. And then it will be Anne-Marie. Thank you for your service. This is Naomi B., Recover Compulsive Eater from Philadelphia. Well, this is not something that I could admit willingly, but being totally honest with my program and remain one, wantingly to remain in abstinence, I have to absolutely ask God where I was selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. Um, at some point in our married life, my husband withheld sex from, from me, and for the longest time, and still does to this day, and from the longest for the longest time, I, I was all about me, all about me. I was I was fat, I was ugly, I was undesirable, and 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 then I came into this wonderful program and did this inventory, and saw that it wasn't about me. He had some issues, and this is where you know we ask God to mold our ideas and help us to live up to them. We remember the harms and other sex powers that God given us. So I have to just, my husband's a very gentle, kind, loving person. And this has always been like the elephant in the room with this sex thing. But I've accepted it and understood that this man has some issues. And then again, where the sick man's prayer really comes in. And I'm you know, I I can't totally say I'm joyous, happy, and free because it was good at one time between my husband and I. 
but um, and that's where the acceptance prayer on 417 comes into my life, and we just function our lives as as we do each day. And thank God for OA, and thank God for Vision, and these wonderful steps working it strictly through the Big Book, that um, I can function with my life as just the way God has it planned. And with that, I pass. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Naomi. Anne Marie, you're up, and then it'll be Reva P. Thank you. Hi, Monica. Thanks for your service. Anne Marie, recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. Um, this inventory of the sex, I learned a lot after I had done it, and it wasn't so much about the sex per se, because um, you know, the first, very, very first time that all I thought about it was was the actual sexual act. And um, even when I do my uh, evening review or my, uh, if I do a 10-step, um, you know, the, the, the sex part is more about uh, gender and how I relate to other people. And what I learned mostly about this part of the inventory was how to become other-centered and to look at, you know, my husband, um, put myself in his shoes and to be aware of what his needs are and not to be demanding about what I want from him. So this brought me to a deeper level of being other-centered. Not so, it, it didn't so much have to do with the actual sexual act, um, but what I learned was, um, you know, to live that St. Francis prayer um, and to you know, look to see where I could be um, understanding rather than trying to be understood and not be demanding about what I want or just saying, you know, I have, you know, I don't have time. You know, I, you know the first speaker, you know, I could relate to um, just focusing on other things. And so just being aware of what other people's needs are and being aware of not being demanding. So for me, this inventory um, took me to a, a real deeper level and um, learning. I uh, haven't gotten there yet, but I've gotten a lot better about being other-centered and, and sensitive to um, others' needs um, in all areas, not just the sex, not just the sex, but in all areas. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Reva P., you're up. And then it'll be Janice. Good morning. This is Reva P. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Hi, this is Reva P., a grateful recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, the fact that I'm even sharing on this step um, is a testimony to my recovery in this program. I think I just rushed through these paragraphs early on in program. And what this um, introductory paragraph to our sex relations um, reminds me is um, I never thought of myself as a woman or a sexual being when I was in my disease. Um, part of the disease for me was not so much what I did with the food physically, but how I thought about myself and my body. And I was disgusting and ugly and dirty and shameful and certainly not feminine or feeling sensual. No way. So, oh, I'm so grateful that when we do a fearless and thorough inventory in their wisdom, 
uh, the writers of this book, make sure every dark cranny of my mind and soul is being cleaned out. And yes, even this issue um, is something that there will be no more secrets, no more skeletons in the closet, as was mentioned. Um, so this uh, paragraph is the beginning of my um, process of learning what is God's vision for me as a woman and a sexual being. Because when I don't feel comfortable about myself and my body, the sexual instinct goes awry and there is no balance. I'm either overdoing, like it says, or underdoing, just like I do with food. Um, so this is the beginning of revealing what's going on, um, what's going on once you know I'm detoxed from the food. And another thing that this reminds me is, as was said before, there is no judgment. My whole eating career was um, characterized by good, bad, I'm having a good day because I'm good with food. I'm having a bad day because I'm bad with food. I'm a good girl because I'm having a good day with food. I'm a bad girl. And this reminds me, thank you, God, there is no judgment. Um, and the steps are made in such a way that this is an objective process. Let's pull the dirt out of the closet. Let's see what's there. And God wants me to be a flourishing, thriving um, woman. Um, and I need to do the steps to figure out what that is for today, for next week, for next year, because it will probably evolve and change as I um, go through different phases of my life. So I am grateful for the ability to now think of myself as a woman after many years in program um, and to embrace that and to be happy, joyous, and free in that and then um, take that into my relationships, you know, with my husband, with men, with women, um, etc. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Janice, you're up, and then it'll be Larry. Well, good morning to you, Monica, and everyone. You can hear me? Yes. Okay, good. I'm going to put my timer on. Yeah, okay, girls and boys. <laughs> Everybody is smiling, sex, oh, taboo. And, you know, that's how I felt. You know, for years I was brought up in a very puritanical uh, atmosphere, and, oh, my God, if you ever looked at a boy, you know, something would happen. And so, you know, those were some of the old ideas that I had. But anyway, um, did I need an overhauling here? This this particular part of my inventory brought up so much of myself. What about my conduct? Because, see, I even blamed my husband for the way I was. Um, and he hadn't, for my behavior, I was justifying, you know, of the of the conduct and the behaviors and the acting out that I did because of him. Then I started looking at myself, <laughs> and that's when, you know, God came into my life and revealed, you know, Janice, you know, you're a little selfish, you know, you're dishonest. No, I never thought I was dishonest because I blamed my husband again because if he didn't do that, then I wouldn't have to do a certain behavior, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, my God, you know, and, and I've been married for 50 years, so, I mean, you know, it was the timing, it was the frequency, it was uh, my flirtations, because I was inconsiderate. I wanted to, do, you know, I wanted to, to be for me, whatever it is. 
And, you know, it did have an effect. It had an effect. But when I found out about my selfishness, about my dishonesty in this beautiful uh, relationship, see, God, this is a God, like it was said, this is a God-given instinct. But like all the instincts, I misused them. I misused gluttony. I misused pride. <laughs> you know, all those things that were God, but, but with me, I misused them. So did I need an overhauling? Absolutely. And boy, what a transformation. My thinking is, is so different. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's not like I'm ashamed. I'm not guilty. Um, all those things that blocked me from my higher power, because that's the bottom line. And um, as soon as I found out about me and stopped blaming the situation or whatever, or my fears, um, and found out how inconsiderate I was of him, <laughs> that's a new one, inconsiderate of him. He should have, you know, I thought the other way around. And my, and my son, um, you know, things changed. So this was a real great thing for me. Because, like I said, these sex powers are God-given. You know, sex instinct is not the problem. The problem, again, is my selfishness, my inconsiderate behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Janice. And Larry Kay, you're up. Good morning, Monica. This is Larry, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Appreciate it. Um, so, you know, in, in looking at uh, the sex instinct, okay, the one and only guy that's going to share perhaps on this, I don't know. Um, uh, you know the best thing we can do um, is, you know, perhaps the best thing we could do is the same thing we do with any other God-given instinct. You know, we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. And look, I, I'm guessing I'm not the only one uh, on the line this morning they got to the rooms of OA broken, uh, disconnected, fearful, angry, um, all those things. And, you know, in my case, when one is abused um, emotionally, physically perhaps as a child, you know, it shouldn't come as a terrible surprise that we often, you know, have problems connecting on an intimate level with, with another human being. That was the case for me. You know, and, um, you know, and that was problematic. And, uh, you know, among other things, we, we seek, first, we seek to protect ourselves from ever trusting another human being. You know, from ever placing ourselves in a position of vulnerability with another person. And so what did this sort of disconnection with God do um, in my life? Well, you know, yeah, I was someone who withheld sex from others. Now that may that may that may seem kind of comical. What what guy is going to withhold sex from 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 another person that loves them? Well, you know, someone that's been hurt. You know, someone that's been. Um, you know, when 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 we uh, you know part of developing normally uh, sexually um, is you know is is learning trust. And when we when we don't learn that trust. You know, we, you know, we we uh, we have difficulty with intimacy, and that was the case for me. There's there's a reason I was married uh, twice. You know, and believe me, that had a lot to do with it. Um, I I you know I actively made myself unappealing to others. 
See, not not just I wasn't just harming myself, you know, by stuffing my face. Um, how how does one make uh, even unconsciously or subconsciously? How does one make themselves unappealing to others? Well, through how we interact with them, through anger, irritability. That'll that'll do it. That'll do the trick. That'll keep others away from me, so they won't hurt me. Um, another way is to put on weight. That was one that I didn't quite understand, that my weight was serving me in a certain way because it was keeping others away from me that way. And then we lose the weight. <laughs> and then now people are perhaps, uh, you know, we're, we're more appealing. But see, then we, through this process too, we lose the irritability, hopefully, and the anger, and, the, and we become more attractive uh, through our connection with the higher power spiritually emotionally, physically. See that's that's one of the one of the things this program this program was never just about food. This recovery process was so much more than that. It's about unmasking and I think the sex inventory uh and the harms done to others is a big piece of that. It's a huge piece of that. And to leave that out is to uh that's a big part of what God created in us as individuals. It's just another instinct just as strong as the instinct that we have to eat and to survive in that way. So um, anyways, thank God uh, for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank Very you. I didn't, I didn't hear anybody. Okay. Let's try this over again. Who? Santa? Matt M. Matt M. I got you, Matt. Anita, okay, I've got Santa H, I've got Matt M, I've got Anita J. Was there somebody else? Mary Villian. Mary? Villian is my middle name. Lillian. Okay, okay. I Mary I, I wasn't understanding the Lillian. Okay, all right. Uh, Santa H, you're up, and then it'll be Matt. Thank you, Monica. I'm, good morning, visionaries. My name is Santa H., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And I just wanted to chime in on this paragraph as well. And um, I like what someone said, first of all, that we are talking about sex, but we're really talking about gender gender relationships. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with um, a, a spouse. And I just want to chime in on my personal experience in this process and how these pages and sex conduct has been my saving grace. Um, I'm very blessed, you know, that I, you know, I had a wonderful marriage for 21 years and I was able to keep a, a great amount of innocence. But when I became divorced and became single, and let me tell you, when I started losing this weight, boy, I had to really begin to go to my higher power through these steps and looked at how I was treating my body and how I was allowing other people to treat me. And it's not so much in terms of their touching me in any sort of manner, but in how I was using it to get what I wanted and not wanted. I remember um, that I went on Facebook. I mean, I lost 120 pounds. So, of course, my ego got in the way. I went on Facebook and started putting up before and after pictures of me. And I opened the floodgates to men responding to me in ways that were inappropriate. But I had to ask myself the question, as it is in the big book, I started the ball rolling. 
I started that. So part of this process is not just looking at gender relationship if you're a single woman, but also looking at how we use our body to get what we want, whether it is trying to buy a car, we, we being flirtatious, and, and those little things that we think are so innocent that really can come back and backfire us when doing the inventory process. And I found that this was helpful for me that I had to really chime in on it and check my attitude and make some some changes before it got out of hand. Thank you, God, that this program helped me to do that. And the second thing I love in this paragraph that, because this, this paragraph comes back to me so much um, in, in my place of fe- fellowship, is where, you know, my pastor did last last week, spoke against um, um, people who were in same-sex relationships. And it just revved up in me my resentment that I had to really hold myself back and say that, you know, my pastor just as me is a sick man and that love and tolerance is my cold and that I, am, that I can, in the midst of someone else's opinion, stand on my ground and not get into any controversies with anyone and be loving and tolerant, seeing the child of God and everyone. It doesn't matter what their sexual conduct is. It is none of my business. And I can see the child of God in every single person. And this is what that paragraph does for me. And, and I just love these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa H. Ma M, you're up. And then it'll be Anita J. Hi, can you hear me? Um, can you hear me? Sure can. Yep, sure can, Matt. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Matt Emma Compulsive over here from New Jersey. This is a very difficult section, as a lot of people have shared. And uh, I didn't realize when I came into the rooms how broken I really was. Even right before I found program uh, growing up and how I was like grew up in a very household who just was very codependent and didn't really know how to deal or have any friends, wasn't allowed to have any friends. So it's not just about the sex context. This is somebody said, gender roles, how do I make friends with, with boys, girls, and then when I get older, how do I make friend lasting friendships with men and women? I had a lot of issues with my sexuality growing up, and guess what? I didn't get to be 630 pounds originally because I was such a healthy, well-adjusted individual. But did I really want to look at this section as I'm doing now? For the first time, seven years in program, I'm just looking at it now. Finally, yeah, um, I, did, I ate my way into this body because I did not want to be viewed uh, sexually by, by when it turns out that I wound up becoming, I was gay. I didn't like to realize that. How can I have any healthy relationships? How can I have male friends? How can I have female friends? Because I was looking to them for everything instead of really learning what it's like to be comfortable with myself. And so that that was a lot of good binges that I, that I ate myself into. And then I found a group that really liked people who were big, like myself. And that was another unhealthy way. So it really does say there's either an all straight pepper diet or no flavor for my fare. I really had to come to terms with what is really my sexual ideal? What do I really want for people? And am I really going to be as selfish and egotistical and self-centered as I was with my resentments in this area of my life? I'm the kind of person, I'm the kind of person with extremes. I don't know when enough is enough. And uh, most people have this little phase when they're in their teens, early 20s, they, they like what they call sober wild oats. I was so stunted mentally and emotionally that Man, I did a lot of these things way after when, when it's socially, socially inappropriate. And I didn't realize how selfish I was being with, with some of my friends and, some, and, some, and even some um, people who I didn't even know, strangers. Because it's not just about the people you know. It's about where are you selfish with strangers as well? How have you hurt others? There's some people I've done things, you know, and I realize I'm never going to see, I might never see these people ever again, some of these people. But, you know, a lot of these things are living events. What do I want to do with myself? What do I want? 
on a, on a sexual relationship? How do I want to be a healthy individual mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? What do I want to see from someone? What kind of relationships do I want to have in that area? And also, what kind of relationships do I want to have with the human race in general? I found learning for, for, for the first time on how to have a healthy relationships with men as friends and with women. Um, because I found out that a lot of women, my women friends love the fact that I'm gay because they, they, they have their boundaries. I had to set boundaries with myself. And with them, and I realized, you know what, for me, my ideal is to be a maximum service in all areas of my life, to be a maximum friend to others, to men and women, and not to be so selfish or, or egotistical, looking just for the, the, the short fix, though, just for the pepper all the time. I had to learn how to just be comfortable in my own skin first. And I think that's why I acted out so much because I wasn't comfortable with myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Matt. Anita J., you're up, and then it'll be Mary Lillian. Thank you, Monica. This is Anita J., a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And you know, when I came into OA to lose weight, I never knew that I was going to go through my adolescence also. Because I was very, very um, inhibited at the normal age of the, the adolescence. And um, I just uh, it ended up with my husband and myself going into marriage counseling, which turned out to be an excellent thing. But I knew I had a problem with the opposite sex when early in the program I went to a meeting where there was a hugger greeter. A fellow would always hug everybody, smile and laugh, and I found myself shooting my hand out and saying and shaking his hand and saying, I'm not that recovered yet. And everybody laughed. Well, he laughed, I laughed, but, you know, I meant it. I really had learned a lesson early in childhood, and this is why we have to do the thorough fourth step going all the way back. Um that I have learned that men are wonderful, but don't let them get too close because they can really hurt you. And I think now, and I think I heard this somewhere, not in way, somewhere about, you know, when you get married, it's not just you and your husband in that marriage bit. They're his parents, they're your parents, and in my case, there was also a pedophile janitor. I was in this program 13 years before I even knew that. And uh, I believe I've learned it all in God's time. And um, in this area, I wish it had happened a little bit earlier, but um, I really had no understanding of why I said no when I said no and why I said yes when I said yes. But that can all be revealed if we're willing to trust God and do the work. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And Mary Lillian, you're up. Thanks, Monica, for your service today. Um, I am a, a compulsive overeater, Philadelphia. Um, I didn't know the truth from the normal when it came to this section. This is a very shameful and painful section for me, coming from uh, uh, being abused as a child in my own family situation, uh, spilling over, and it spills over into the two previous sections of the resentments and the fears of uh, being mistreated by others because of... Um, I didn't know what was normal for for me was was being violated by somebody else. So what I did was, which I'm grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous and Dr. Bob and Bill, the way the big book was written is that we can work in conjunction with a mental health profession. 
So I sought help, and that was the way I took care of this, um, in addition to uh, continuing with, you know, putting down what I needed to put down in this section. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Mary Lillian. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Sarah W., could you read for us, please? Good morning. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovery Compulsive Overreader. We reviewed our conduct over the past, over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. Well, there are no mistakes, I tell you. Um, interesting, this is the first time I've been a reader on this, on this meeting, and this is the first time I've read, and here we are in the sex inventory. Um, very grateful for that. Um, I've done a lot of inventories, and the thing I realized today is it's interesting the way we have resentment, fear, and sex. And as others have stated, this has been a very powerful meeting for me. Um, the fact that knowing right from wrong, being able to form a real relationship with another human being, uh, my, my belief systems um, were very skewed from a very young age. Um, in my family of origin, there were many issues that came up that were inappropriate. Um, whether or not there was physical touching or not, they were there. And so, uh, you know, as an adolescent, um, and, you know, that word will come up a lot in this inventory because that's where uh, we start to develop desires typically and, and that sort of thing. But on page 53 in the 12 and 12, it says, the primary fact that we fail to recognize is our total inability to form a true partnership with another human being. Um, and, you know, as other people stated, you know, I can go on either side. I've been, this is my fourth marriage. Um, I've been married uh, 13 years um, to my husband now. And I was a very promiscuous teenager. You know, I was always seeking to be loved. I wanted to be loved, to be wanted. And I was very oppositional as a young person. This is what my inventories have helped me understand about myself and to try to find a way to my own sense of feeling okay with myself, with my higher power, and with other people. And I don't think this is all about a bad girl, good girl, or anything, as other people have stated. This is where I, it's a fact-finding thing. It's a fact-facing, fact-finding uh, proposition. And it's not about... I'm bad. It's about how can I come to terms with who I am as a human being and be the person that God would have me be. And today, I still have issues regarding sex. I still have issues about it. I have gotten probably 90% better, but I still have stuff that comes up for me. I'm a human being. I'm not, a, you know, I'm a spiritual being in a human condition. And I don't get to be perfect, but I'm really working on it working on being the person that God would have me be in partnership with my husband, um, as other people stated, to be true to myself at the same time, 
And that is very important to me, that I can say if I feel uncomfortable, I am uncomfortable, and not hide that. And I can say, yes, I'd like to connect with you this way. And when I lost a lot of weight, I lost 110 pounds, uh, I felt like the wall went down. And when people hugged me, I felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm not sure I can, you know, hug a person. And so at times I say, no, thank you. And I try to either give a handshake. So boundaries are important with this too. So grateful for this program, for the steps. It does have to all go down on paper. Time. You keep doing it. Thank you so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Sarah. Diddle diddle on a lot of that. Well, now, who would like to share on this paragraph? Alice M. All right, I heard Alice. Uh, okay, I heard Alice, and I heard someone else after Alice. Chrissy? Deanna Deanna, 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 Deanna B. Okay, we only have time, so I'm going to go with Alice, Deanna B, and Chrissy. We'll see and see how that goes. Alice, you're up. Thank you, uh, Monica. Good morning. This is Alice, a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimics from Florida. And it's hard to separate the two of these paragraphs, um, and they kind of blend in together, but I did, you know, my experience is that, um, you know, one result of writing the fourth step inventory, um, especially for me, the fear and the sex ones, which go hand in hand, you know, it can be that when we begin honestly and thoroughly searching within ourselves on these forms um, that I use um, around these issues, you know, we may encounter, I encountered, you know, normal fear and anxiety around our truth, um, but the process can also trigger uh, past memories and experiences, which can be traumatic, which are, you know, past trauma um, when they come up. You know, there's there's many of us, you know, as compulsive overeaters, you know, it's pretty it's pretty big statistic. You know, there's many of us who experience rape, incest, molestation, um, any other type of sexual abuse, you know, which caused us, which caused me to seek comfort and ease and numbing in the food. It's just pretty, pretty prevalent throughout our, our culture. Um, and so when these inventories trigger these past memories, you know, perhaps, and perhaps for the first time where they uncover them, like I didn't want to look at some of these things until all of a sudden it was, you know, I'm working the steps and this is what I do, um, that, you know, many of us need to seek outside help in processing them. You know, it can be very, it can be very dangerous to think that we can handle it to handle this, uh, what comes up on these inventories with the steps and the sponsor alone. And, uh, you know, many of us had experiences which do require professional help, and that's kind of been a, a gift of this program, working these steps, that I, I encounter these things like, oh, my God, this thing is coming up. And and for were it not for me working the steps, I wouldn't be um, not forced, but have the opportunity to really, now it's time, you know, you got to work on it or you're going to die, you know, so... That's just, um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, some of us do require professional help, but we can, you know, be able to work these steps, come back around, work these steps in a safe, effective way. And, you know, that's just, that's my cautionary opinion here. And, and I need to know, too, that, or I do know, you know, from experience as a sponsor, I need to know my limitations. We all need to know our limitations. And these inventories can be a very delicate matter and can cause harm if done unsafely. And uh, and they can be so freeing when they're done safely. 
And um, I just, you know, there's, obviously I'm a human being. I have lots of, of hangouts and things. And it wasn't until I got into a marriage and later on in my marriage that I realized, you know, something's wrong here. And, and it was able to do these inventories and to go back and then seek help. And, and uh, it's been a, it's been a process of peeling away the onion, but um, there's, it's just, I just, you know, I want to put out a cautionary note there that it's not just whip through these things. Sometimes, um, trauma comes up and it needs to be it needs to be dealt with or it can be very dangerous and uh, I'll pass with that, thanks Thank you, Alice Deanna B, you're up and then it'll be Chrissy Thank you uh, this is Deanna B a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago I'm grateful to be here and part of me uh, this is really for me, where it's at as far as the struggles that I have had and how for most of my life I lived what I call the lie that I needed that fat to protect myself and keep me safe. Many years ago, um, I went into and found Uh, another program, 12-step program, that dealt with the specific issue. And um, I remember that one fellow person said to me, Deanna, it doesn't matter how fat you are. When you get into your thing, it just doesn't matter. I used to stay away from places, stay away from people, stay away from relationships. And I really hurt a lot of people, including myself. However, when I took this uh, inventory this last time uh, and saw how much I had really dealt with in my inventory when I was in that other program, I did such a thorough inventory on that and realized how manipulative, how I use sex. Yes, I was abused like a lot of us. Um, I lived in a group home and these people that ran it abused me and other people. I learned at a very early age how to use sex. I knew no other way. And the fear that I grew up with in and out of my marriages that if I was too thin, I would be too vulnerable. And that was the lie that I was living in. It wasn't until I came into a vision and took uh, and, and completed the fourth and the fifth step that I realized that that was such a, a moot point because it had nothing to do with that. If I wanted to use sex to get my way to, I knew no other way to relate. But today I do, and I I learned about myself, uh, beginning to learn about relationships with other women. What a beautiful, beautiful part of my life today that I didn't, I never knew of. I couldn't have, I was so ashamed, you know. And today I don't need to be ashamed or guilty about everything, anything. That was my past. And today is today, and that's all I have. Um, 
I have a little sign in my office where I'm sitting right now. Good morning. This is God. I will be handling all of your problems today. I will not need your help. So relax and have a great day. Thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deanna B. And I'm afraid we have run out of time. I'm so sorry, Chrissy. Maybe you can share in the next hour. And I want to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Santa H., could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Yes, certainly. I apologize here. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us, and we, will sure, we, will, we shall surely be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you, shall, and you will surely meet some of us as you tread the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 